Welcome to this episode of The Rise After the Fall. We are joined by our very good friend, Pastor Becky Alcantar. And we're excited because we get the opportunity to really kind of shed some light on some things that I think internally we know about. And sometimes when you know things internally, you think that people know things externally or that they're self-explanatory. But we want to talk about the program that we've used to, I guess, disciple and restore people here internally at Green Bay Life Church, as well as people in different parts of the country from different parts of uh, occupations. We've had pastors, we've had pastors' families, we've had professionals, we've had professional athletes. It's been incredible to see how it has really been kind of a universal type of thing. And it's what I really want is for people to understand the depth of it so that they don't think that when they come to the reserve in North Carolina, that they're just going to come for a fishing trip or that they're just going to come and sit around a campfire. And But they're going to do those things. They can do those things while they're there. But that's not the intention of it. But the intention of it is for us to really dig deep into some of those things because so often when a person needs to be restored, what we don't realize is that the thing that we need to be restored from could have happened 20 years ago. It could have happened when we were a kid. So for me, when I went through the program, I discovered that the thing that I needed to be healed from happened in first grade. And so this program uh, is called Journey to Wholeness. And Pastor Becky is the director of it, the president of it, the, um, the boss of it, if you would. And I, I want people to understand how... I guess the two words I would use would be how in-depth it is and how intense mm. it is. Because I wouldn't want somebody to come and be surprised by how intense it is because it is rather intense. And so I'm really excited. That was the world's longest intro. Really excited to have, of course, you, my love, Pastor Sonny Hennessy. But I'm also excited to have you, Pastor Becky. Welcome. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I've been following along uh, with all of the stories that you've been sharing and just really like my heart has just opened up so much. Um, I always have this desire to just come in and make space and room for the stories that I'm hearing, uh, help people to make sense of maybe things that they hadn't taken time to look at and understand. And especially when you hear, you know, a lot of the stories we've heard were uh, individuals who, you know, had... (sighs) had a few years under their belt from the time of the incident or the event that caused them much grief. But I think in the last few, we've heard some more raw, real present stories. And uh, that's, that's, I, I can't, I can't help but think, you know, everyone needs to know that God has a purpose and a plan, but also he gave us the pattern. He gave us the way, he gave us the knowledge, he gave us information, wisdom, discernment, insight to understand really all of this and to not be subject to the things that are working in us, that we can get some awareness around it so that we can move purposely forward. And so to hear someone in, in a crisis moment, uh, my heart really opens up. Uh, but I know often we've talked about Nehemiah recently. It made me think about Nehemiah as well, that you know, Nehemiah sat down to grieve the things that had happened 70 years after the exile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it w- isn't sometimes until we've come to a certain place that we even can enter into the originating stories. We think that, you know, this story or this event that happened was the event, but really it was a culmination mm-hmm. of things that brought us to that event. And we can't even enter in sometimes until we get far enough from the thing that seemed to shatter our lives to actually get insight and understanding around it. Um, so I know people say, well, you know, that happened so long ago. I think I'm done with that. Well, were you done with that? Or did you have to wrap that up, set that aside because you had to go on living, uh, walking through, taking care of the things that you needed to take care of? And wouldn't it be great now to take some time to really unpack that so that you don't continue to carry that in your life? Yeah, well, and in the church world, which many of our listeners are either leading churches or they're involved in churches or they've been hurt by churches, there can be this belief that, well, Jesus already covered that. That's covered by the blood and I don't need to talk about it. And like you said, 70 years apart from the incident with Nehemiah and then the grieving, we're, we're, we believe, I think we all would say, yes, alcohol isn't the problem, it's the symptom or uh, just depression. There's more to it. What's the 
root of it. And those big things we would say, oh, I understand that I need to dig a little deeper, but we're talking with journey to wholeness, you go to the first memory, good and bad. We the Your first exercise, which makes us and our program very different than a lot of things out there is before people even arrive, they are told we need you to start timelining. And they're going back to an original memory, good and bad, original next memory, good and bad, and all the way through. And then what I think is great is that even in just a two or three day intensive, I was filling in my timeline now on my fourth time through, because I just did it in Toronto recently with you and our staff. I'm still filling in my timeline. Sean and I have been on this journey for 13 years, and this is my fourth time <laughs> because God allows our brain to remember things and deal with them because he's kind and he's gracious at the time we need to. And, but let's, let's go back a little because we're going to jump into the how and all of that. But how many people have you served since you formally started this, which it's been called Journey to Wholeness since 18? 2017 okay. is when we took on the name Journey to Wholeness prior to that. Um, and some of the guys here tease uh, me, uh, but it was balanced heart and mind. And the original thought was really, can we start talking about the things that are influencing and affecting our heart and mind? Do you have heartache? Do you Are you caught up in anxious thoughts? And so I wanted to just gather people to start talking about the tools that were available to us and to terms of psychology and neuroscience, we, we live in a time where we have these tools mm-hmm. at like just accessible. They weren't accessible to the generations past. And so if you're kind of hard on your mom or dad or grandparents for not knowing these things, they did not have access to these things like we do. And so uh, I wanted to talk about that. Uh, so that started 2014. Uh, 2017, we expanded, made it into the full program that you would see now, which is a 12-week program, talking about all different topics. Uh, and I think the last time we counted, we were a bit over 1,500 people who- 1,500 individuals. We have had to go through a Journey to Homeless program in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that is new on the horizon is one, we there is no, this is what's new. We have government and health departments and secular mm-hmm. corporations coming to you and saying, we need this. Mm-hmm. And they know we're faith-based because the website will send people to it J2 Wholeness, mm-hmm. J2Wholeness.org. When you go to it, it says bridging neuroscience and scripture. It, it is clearly faith-based. Mm-hmm. It is founded in scripture mm-hmm. and neuroscience is brought in. And people are like, we don't care. We're hearing and seeing the results. And 1,500 right. people, most in Green Bay, but hundreds are up to probably 100 around the nation now too, in the last year even, they're talking about it. And then these organizations are like, I don't care. If right. it's effective- We need your help in the mental health industry. Yeah, I think there was some tension between, you know, the science field and the, you know, faith-based fields for a while. I know if you talk to older generations, they had, you know, some skepticism around therapy and psychologists. And you've probably heard like the jokes. And so even I didn't have access to that. I didn't understand what that was. Uh, And so we believe in therapy. What's happening now, though, in the wake of 2020 is that there is a long waiting list for individuals to go in and see a therapist. Just in our area alone, there is a nine-month wait to actually go see someone. And when you're in crisis, when you're you're at the end of your rope, you need to be able to access someone a lot quicker than that. But our goal is not even to let you get to that point. We want to make sure that when times like that come, because there's difficulties and troubles and trials and tribulations in the world, that you have tools already at your fingertips, but also a group of individuals who are there to encourage you when you're discouraged. Uh, and so what we call Journey to Wholeness and what um, you know our therapists in, in the field have said is you're a bridging uh, organization. You're a, a bridge for us that in, in between the time someone realizes or understands or, or thinks they, they might be interested in this thing, but they don't know what it is, uh, that they can actually come to Journey, get some tools, get encouraged, and then actually decide at that point, am I good or do I need to go further now and see a therapist? At that point, because Journey is a three-month program, you're a little closer to that waiting period. Um, most times people get in a little sooner than that, but the, the average right now is nine months. So uh, we just love that. Um, uh, many of our facilitators, uh, because it is facilitator and video based 
And our facilitators have now uh, gone back to school to become therapists. And yet the, our therapist friends who we refer people to are telling us, no, keep doing what you're doing mm. because that's really providing a great service uh, to the area of mental health. Well, I, I, we have a friend who just recently went through an inpatient therapy program and it was not cheap. It was $14,000 for 14 days. And the bulk of what they did, they saw a therapist twice and the bulk of what they did was group, what they called group therapy, which is essentially what a person can do in Journey to Wholeness. But when I asked him, uh, did you find out what the triggers were and, or what the, what the root was? He said, well, it's probably not a root. It's probably just like a bunch of different things that are making it happen. To which I said, no, the whole premise of Journey to Wholeness is that what we discover is that there is a there was an event, and when that event happened, you were uh, we call it in our program arrested in development in the secular world. They would call it fixated. You you are fixated on that thing, and if you don't unlock that moment of fixation, then you're going to stay locked in at that area. But the moment that you unlock that, then suddenly this rush of neurons comes into your brain, and you have the scans that show that this actually happens. So this isn't just like, oh, but you know, even scripturally it says, and you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is interesting because then that same friend of ours came and went through a journey to wholeness intensive. And I could see a difference in them that I didn't see a difference after. And now maybe those two things built upon each other. But what I love about the idea of journey to wholeness is that it doesn't just have to be a restoration tool, it can be a prevention tool. So for the people who, maybe the large majority of people who listen to this podcast are, are leaders who stumbled on it because they're, they need to be restored or whatever, but this is something that you don't have to wait until you've fallen. You can, you can do this prior to a fall. Maybe you're in danger of a fall. Maybe you've been thinking about particular things. But those the things that we're thinking about as leaders that are, that are wrong, that are immoral, that are impure. Those things aren't caused by what's happening to us right now. They, the, what's happening right now is a symptom. This is what I love what you talk about. So I'm telling them your program. So that the fact that what we're doing right now is rooted in something that could have happened for me, happened in first grade. So, so what I, I love this idea of you can take anybody from any demographic. You can take anybody from socio, any socioeconomic background and all of us are wounded. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the, if you look at most people, mm-hmm. is there a certain like age group where that would be the, the largest common denominator? People like we'd say, well, people from, they were wounded at X, mm-hmm. Y, Z. Yeah. Absolutely. So much of your subconscious is formed between the ages of zero to seven. And so much of your operating system, if you will, has been set at that point. Now, if you think about the way your brain actually functions and the way that it develops, most of the things in your brain aren't even online yet until you're between 11 and 14. Girls, closer to 11 boys closer to 14. So if you have middle schoolers, you're starting to understand some things right now. Um, So think about all of the decisions you made based on uh, not a fully operating system, but also the perspective that you had. Add to that, then your parents probably either shielded you from some things, and so you don't know the full story, or you were exposed to things that you were too young to comprehend and process, and so there's some fragmentation that happens when that occurs in that your brain can't absorb all of those things when you're that little, and so it actually fragments the memory, but it still has to do something with it. And so either way, you filled in some narrative based on your zero to seven self. Um, So often I'll hear uh, anywhere between three and seven, it can go up to nine, uh, where there's something significant that happened that has an impact on you. So a lot of people say, you know, I didn't go through abuse. I don't have trauma in my life. I had a good upbringing. My parents were wonderful. They did the best they could. And Mm -hmm. all of that is true. Uh, We're not trying to point fingers or determine if there was intent to harm you or if there was ill intent. What we're looking at is what is the impact that had on you? What did you decide about the world at that point? And how have you operated in it as a result? 
What we do in Journey is then uh, instead of going into um, the present, which a lot of therapy does, it's present focused. And there are therapies that are uh, in-depth psychologies. Uh, They're harder to find today because of some of the more dominant, prominent um, theories that are uh, out there right now, mostly because of insurance. Um, We have to be a little quicker uh, to get to the root of things. Um, If you uh, take a 30,000 foot view, what we do is basically take a look at, okay, if you had this impact you in this way, what did you decide and how have you operated in the world since? And there's a lot at play there. Uh, We can usually see those patterns happening all the way through the event that you might have come in for, mm. uh, the downfall. What what I always say is it's so subtle. It's so subtle that you didn't even realize that you took a different trajectory or path, but over time, not until you were 30, 35, 40, 45, that you found that you were so off the actual track <laughs> that it created this event. Um, so it was a culmination of events, but it started pretty early on and it started on... Uh, in a moment in which you were impacted in a way that wasn't corrected. Because once we decide something, uh, our brain then takes it from our conscious to our subconscious and our unconscious, which is why we call it your operating system. You don't have to think about certain things every day and how you're going to approach things, but it definitely says what we would say for you habits, um, tendencies that you have is what we would call it. It's just the way I am is what we say often. Uh, and when we look at where did that start or why did that start, we can usually find that in the story and then see that pattern repeating, which then helps us get to the root of, okay, what is it that we need to address and correct now? Because like you said, Pastor, um, the Bible tells us that we can renew our minds. It can be transformed. Uh, And there is uh, neuroscience. Uh, If you put your brain under an MRI to look at uh, what the the path is that your brain takes when you uh, are presented with different obstacles, presented with different problems, it will take the same path until you actually redirect it. And when you do, and we give you tools and tell you how to do that, you will see a different path or trajectory happen in your brain. Um, and there's so much more I can say, I won't put you through a complete journey to wholeness. Um, but I, I think that's helpful for people to understand because you can ask after 40 years, is it possible for mm. me even to change? Yeah. It's just that we haven't taken the time and made space to actually explore that a little more with you and understand what's at the root of that so that now that you so now you have new lenses to see through and you can perceive that, see that, and then make choices today to take a different uh, path that will then become embedded uh, in your mind and in your heart. I want to share how my story, just one little segment of it, might relate to a lot of people listening who say, but I didn't come from abuse. Like I know the definition of abuse, although we don't actually know uh, the definition of trauma. I want you in a minute to share what's the real definition of trauma? What's the real definition of abuse? But for me, I can say I did not grow up in an abusive home. I was not stuck in an abusive like marriage, like the abuse thing's not there. But listen to how this little tiny thing came out in a journey to wholeness I had with you and our staff girls like a year or two ago. It was during the pandemic. And I knew the pandemic had hit me hard. I was like, maybe it's because I'm an extrovert and like I'm shut down. I can't travel. Like what is, I, I was like, why am I struggling so hard? And we started to do journey and we unlocked because I said something like, well, but the world is evil. And, and I kept talking. You said, back up. You said, do you believe that the world is unsafe? And I said, yeah. And then I'm thinking, I've got news on both all six stations that prove the world is unsafe. And so the so COVID and the news and the political unrest, everything that was going on proved to me what my brain had told me since the first time I felt the world was unsafe, which was at about four or five. So so then you said, Do you think that's why you are in ministry to save the world? Mm. And then I just started sobbing. And of course, I'm the boss in the room and all my girls are there probably thinking, Sonny's going to quit the ministry. <laughs> like, And I said, yeah. But I also now know why it's hard for me to go to a third world country and feel like I did something as a missionary because I'm just so broken because it just reiterates to me, yes, the world is unsafe. Look at how these people live. Why I have this 
unhealthy hate of Walmart because I go there and I see people who are hurting or I see kids that are, you know, with moms that are yelling at them. And I say, that's, see, that's proof. The world is unsafe. And so I feel overwhelmed to be able to fix this world. So I'm in ministry. And then I wonder why I'm fatigued, burned out, overwhelmed, and why you know, why pastors need Sabbaths and they go on a sabbatical and they come back and they still aren't refreshed because the root thing in the four-year-old Sonny is it's unsafe. And so that right there was something uncovered that me as a pastor needed to know. Now, yes, you give tools and journey, but the fact that unlocked in my brain, I began to have healing immediately. I haven't had to have three sessions with Becky or a therapist about this. It was an epiphany, it, we call it that. My brain acknowledged it. And then I was able to sit there as an adult, not a four-year-old, and my brain was able to say, that's actually not true. The world is not completely unsafe. Yeah. It's okay. It's the script that you established at one point, and it definitely helped you to cope, but it helped you to stay safe as well. Because you said, what is the definition of trauma? It's experiencing something that at the time you were not able to handle. You were overwhelmed by it. When the world told you that nothing's safe and nothing's predictable, it triggered that not only memory, that script, but also it triggered all of the, um, I would say trauma is like a package. So it not only takes that memory, it takes all of the stimuli that you would have experienced at the time, including the emotion and packages it up. And it gets packaged up so that you can set it aside and move forward and you're not stuck in that place. But also it gets packaged up so that you can go back to it at some point so that you can be healed from it. And that's how God designed us. And so when we went back there, we opened it up. You felt all the emotions and the overwhelm that you felt when you couldn't do anything about it. And so today, hearing that, you are equipped. (laughs) You have knowledge, discernment, understanding, wisdom that you can now apply to it that you couldn't before. And so people go, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Well, you are. God is gracious and he's kind and he's so wise to create those memories for us. Uh, We call them memory markers or anchor points you'll hear in psychology that can be opened up and you can access everything that you saw, smelled, felt, tasted, um, sense the temperature of the room even that would have told you here's all the data now what are you going to do with it what sense can you make of it based on your brain that is fully developed and all the experience that you have and all of the knowledge you have today to actually close that but also challenge that script that you had the world was unsafe and where is it that you were uh, interacting with people uh, interacting with the world interacting with the church as if it were unsafe and what uh, decisions and actions mm-hmm. then did you take as a result? Yes. Yeah, I really like how uh, you said you didn't come from abuse because I think sometimes people, I what's the word that I'd look for? They categorize the fact that, well, I didn't have a bad enough background mm. to come from this. And, and yet, uh, Becky, you had said that some of us are exposed to things too early and some of us are withheld from things too long. What's interesting is that Sonny and I come from such different backgrounds where I was exposed to things too early and she was withheld from things for too long. Mm. Like I grew up in a rough neighborhood. She grew up on a ranch. And I'm talking about until that formative age that you're talking about. And yet we were both still equally wounded. Yes. It doesn't doesn't change the fact that you're wounded because it changed how you're wounded. Like like mm-hmm. the fact that right. it doesn't matter how you got wounded and how I got wounded. We're both wounded. But the beauty is that this answers all of those questions. And this idea where you said that when somebody would say like, okay, for 40 years I dealt with this, but can I change now? Well, you don't have to change. Mm. That's the beauty of this program is that, yes, it is work. I don't want to paint a picture that it's easy because it's not. But once the difficulty in this program is getting to the point of unlocking it. Once you've unlocked it, you don't have to change anymore because that's what God promised that he would do. Mm -hmm. God now Mm -hmm. has sent all of these beautiful, natural, supernatural resources into our brain so that they will be rewired and reworked. And so once you've put in the hard work of 
of digging. That's the hard thing. The digging is the thing that stinks, but it's only as hard as you let it be. Like if you come in and you're like, yeah, but go ahead, ask me anything that you want. And you're wide open because I've seen that different dynamic and different people. Some people, they're just harder soil. We're going to get to the root. It's just going to take longer in you because you're hard soil. This person, we're going to get there sooner because because they're more fertile soil. Uh, so when we look at the the response that people have to this, it doesn't depend on where you come from. It just depends on how open you are. Yeah, and I want to jump in here because I just had this vision that I've never had before. Uh, so the rewiring of the brain, it's like we don't think of the brain like a real organ. Like we can picture the liver, the kidneys, the lungs. You've probably seen that in anatomy books. But the brain is a real organ. And we talk about when the memories are unlocked, God has this rush of the chemicals, the neurotransmitters begin to rush. New pathways are formed. Mm -hmm. And this is the vision I had as Sean was talking. So I just wanted to pop in here. Think about if your heart had valves stopped up and there was only a little tiny, little tiny portion of each vein that was actually getting blood to and from the heart. And so basically the heart is starting to look blackened and kind of dead and just, but the minute you put stints in there, you have a rush of blood and that heart starts to look bright and beautiful and full. The thing that we have to tell people every time they finish a journey to wholeness, because they're like, okay, I'm having more memories and, and what else should I do? I have told them, the people I'm helping now that you've dealt with them and now Sean and I continue, I've said, it's passive healing. It's like a doctor went in and put a stint and opened up the vein and blood is rushing in and that heart doesn't need you to do anything. Someone after right. a That's heart good. surgery is gonna just go, I'll just not do anything and my heart's gonna do that. We don't have to do the work. Like you said, once you've done the hard work of uncovering the memories, it is passive healing in your brain. Just picture it like lights and blood and and life is flowing again. Yeah. It's why we say in Journey, we were created to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's God who already established in us the design, but also the Holy Spirit that finishes the work. Mm-hmm. And so our goal isn't that you become dependent on us. Our goal is that you find some resolution so that you can walk forward, that you get some relief mm-hmm. while you're taking the time to be in an intensive, that you you need to see some change. We want you to walk away going, I can breathe again, mm-hmm. that I have some relief and I see now through different lenses and now I can walk this out, I understand more fully um, what it is that the Lord is doing. As you're describing this, what we say, just like you, when you get a cut and uh, your body does the work of going to the scab and healing that place. The same happens emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Like We are all one unit designed by the same God in the same way. And so all of us, every part of us, every facet is designed to do the same thing. The rushing to the point of the hurt. It's the same thing that we see in Genesis 3 when God makes a plan when there's the fall. Immediately when there's the fall, he goes to Eve and says, you've, he struck your heel, but you're going to crush his head. There's a plan for this. And I already made it and created it in you. And so you don't have to look for it. It's right there, but you have other things that are clouding that view, that voice inside of you, that understanding of who I am and who you are in me that we need to clear the path of, right? So there's some rubble, there's some debris Mm -hmm. from your life that just needs to get moved out of the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like where you said that we don't want you to be dependent on mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah, because I think in the, mm-hmm. sometimes in the secular market, there is a dependence upon whether that be a therapist mm-hmm. or a prescription. Mm-hmm. And I'm not anti either of those things. Right. Sometimes that's appropriate. It's why yeah. we have a 12-week course because uh, it can be a bit much, especially in your if you're in the midst of things. There is some time and attention and space that you definitely need. Uh, but what I've found is that those who thrive most on journey intensive, and for a while, uh, I think some of our marketing people are like, call it a retreat. That's more inviting. I'm like, but that's not real. Mm-mm. Like intensive is this is going to be intense. You're going to be fatigued but it's going to be good, good work. And you're going to feel relief in as much as you feel fatigued, but it's because you're coming to accomplish something. And so uh, that's where we, uh, two things, you know, our 12 
we group is led by facilitators, like I mentioned. Uh, and my number one instruction to them is at the end of this, they should know God and know how to depend on him. That if they depend on you in any way, one, you're human flesh. And scripture says that we should not rely on human flesh. So we've, we've taken a wrong turn somewhere. But also we can't take on the stories of other individuals as well. Um, and this is ultimately your journey with God. I mean, the Bible is a love story in his pursuit of us. And so nothing has changed when it comes to you. And so if we can get you to a place of understanding him yourselves better, then you're going to get that relief. And so while there are times that a longer process is appropriate, um, if you have a, a strong faith upbringing, if you're an entrepreneur and you're very goal-oriented uh, and you're you're about getting to the root and getting things done and accomplished, or if you're in a crisis, right? It just depends on where you are in life. And you need some answers today because there's a lot that you need to step into. Journey to wholeness is the place for you. If you're not, if you need more time and attention, we also have options for you, which are a 12-week group. Uh, but ultimately know that it's not so that you spend your entire life. Now, do people come back and do it a second round? Yeah, because they've never heard these concepts. They were in the midst of some crisis and now they're coming back to address maybe some of the things uh, that were going on earlier in their life that they realize now, oh, that's what built up to this moment. And we have people that just come in and check in. But no, are you going to spend time with us every week for the next two years or the rest of your life? Absolutely not. That's not our goal. <laughs> we want to make sure that you know we're gonna we're gonna help bandage you up. Um, it's kind of like this uh, uh, the guy at the side of the road, right, Samaritan. Like we're gonna bandage you up, get you to where you need to go, so that you can walk in the purpose and calling that God has for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. I guess there's two responses to that. It's that we're not. It's not that we're not available because we are available, but. To your point, I couldn't have done a 12-week thing. Mm-hmm. Well, let me retract that. My personality wouldn't be one that would have fit as well right. in the 12-week program as the intensive. And it wasn't because my wounds were deeper than anyone else's wounds. It's that my patience wasn't as developed as some other people. Mm-hmm. And so, but then as time has gone on, as I've been exposed to Journey to Wholeness more, what I've realized is that uh, I did get to the root. I got to the, I got to the cause, but at the same time, as I've journeyed through and journeyed other people through, I've realized that there, that sometimes when you have a weed, that weed is infectious. And so that like, when you get one dandelion, those dandelions, the wispies are going to blow away. They're going to plant themselves somewhere else. You've never seen a yard with one dandelion. They're, all over the yard and it's because they're infecting it. And so you could go to the first dandelion that ever popped up in your yard and pull that up. But once the seed has been planted throughout your lawn, then you got to pull them all up. And so it's kind of like dominoes. Like when you, like when you set up a bunch of dominoes, you can go to the center and you can push that. If you have a hundred dominoes, you could push domino number 50 and it will knock down the 50 in front of it, but it's still gonna leave 50 behind it. So we gotta figure out how do we go to the first domino? Exactly. So that so that we can get all the dominoes down. And uh, you know, for most people, like you said, it's in that early formative time that a lot of times we quite frankly forget about. I I when we uncovered what was my wound. I didn't remember that. But once I remembered it, I remembered it. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of things that we're being protected from that the brain has shielded us from. And some people don't want to go through therapy because that's what they're afraid of. Mm -hmm. They're going to find out somebody did this or somebody did that. But Yeah, I think that's where you were talking, Sunny. Like, God is gracious and he's kind. He's a gentleman. And so the way he designed our mind, there are some things that happened to me in my life that I I have never remembered. And I tried for a long time. Um, But what I realized and I needed freedom from was that I didn't have an auditory or visual memory of what had occurred. And yet I still had to make sense of it. um, And I had to rely on my other senses. And so that was probably like the, the ninth realm of my journey in that there were some things that... I felt like they couldn't be resolved. Uh, And then 
understanding how that worked gave me a lot of freedom in that. But I, I love that you talked about the weeds because what we often find is that the weeds have gone further um, and farther than we thought, that they were at play in different parts of our garden or, or yeah. our yard. If mm-hmm. You know, Ruben and I always joke that we're like the worst um, gardeners. And so we didn't know what a weed was. We didn't know what an actual plant was. So we just let everything grow. And then even some of those weeds grow like flowers and you're mm-hmm. like, look how beautiful. And people are like, that thing is eating up all the other things. And mm-hmm. you're like, what? I didn't know. Uh, and what we would find is like, we would find like, it took years for us to clear out like, you know, the, the flower beds and, and then the grass was doing something. And what we would find is if we followed a weed, it would go like all the way across the yard and it was affecting a different area in our yard. Mm-hmm. And we didn't realize it was the same weed that we thought we had cut off, mm-hmm. but it was huh. still playing out over here. And we're like, whoa, like where did, like we cut that. So where, where else did it take root and start to like reinforce itself and it was playing somewhere else. And what you need to understand about your mind is that it is very, very efficient. And so often the thing that's at play that hit today is also playing out in a different way, more subtly in a different part of your life. But it's the exact same pattern. It's the exact same weed at play, which is why we say, well, we could talk about what you came in for, but let's go further than that. Because if we can get the originating uh if you get to, to the root, to the originating place where that happened, you can cut off a lot of the subsequent things. You, you'll have understanding uh, and resolution for all the other things. But there might be parts of your life, and this is where people come back to journey. There might be parts of your life that you didn't think or realize had been affected by that thought, that uh, process, that way that your brain efficiently works to apply what you decided and what was effective. So even coping is effective for you, right? It actually numbed or it actually distracted you from the things that you're struggling with. And so then it became a dependency for you. It's playing out somewhere else in a whole different way, but it's the same pattern. It's the same role that you're playing. It's the same script uh, that is embedded there that you need to go and address as well. Well, and you know, some people will say, oh, I have an addictive personality. And I love Becky that you brought up, you know, some people say, well, it's just the way I am. And that's, that's a way of just, you know, us saying, well, this is, you know, my personality, it'll never change. And it's, that's not true. And um, an addictive personality, like you said, you could, okay, I'm going to get in control of my eating because I can tell I'm an emotional eater. And where does that stem from? Well, my mom maybe took me out for ice cream after she'd, you know, yell and scream and she didn't say sorry, but she fed me ice cream. And so it became comfort, but we have an addiction. We, then we became a workaholic mm-hmm. because, and we yes. said, well, see, I'm just an addictive personality. But was it, I'm trying to make up for the fact my mom always was mean So, and she never said I did a good job. So I'm going to work, work, work until my mom says I did a good job. And you're really talking about just a mom who had her own issues and you've put an umbrella of, I have an addictive personality and it could stem like you're saying from that one area. I want to, I want to, help our listeners, especially before, because we don't need to wrap up yet, but as you're listening, you could say, well, you say the 12-week program and the intensive, what is the difference and where can they do a 12-week versus where can they do an intensive? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, 12-week programs are, uh, gosh, our original program that we created to help uh, be a discipleship tool uh, in our church uh, to help those. Often, if you're a pastor, you know people are contacting you looking for help or direction. And so what we do as part of our counseling here is we send people through journey, get some insight, get some language around, and then we can address anything that remains. Kind of, uh, I talk about um, the cake batter bowl. You know, I'm pouring out the cake batter bowl, but you know, after you pour it out, you know that there's always that thick film and all the kids come around, they want to lick the spatula. Um, but that's the stuff in your life that, okay, even though I did that there's some things that I need to like scrape away at. So that's the 12 week program that we created uh, for our church. Uh, and we also have uh, additional churches signing up for our 12 week program. Uh, so we have uh, several locations uh, where churches become an affiliate of Journey. We help you get your staff through it, get the language for it, train up some uh, facilitators in your area so that you can implement it in your church to help your congregation. Um, What I'm hearing is a lot of our congregations, pastors have like a, a Celebrate Recovery or some addiction recovery program. And then uh, the question is, what do they do next? And uh, and this is a way that they are looking at actually doing those next steps. Uh, an intensive came by way of the pandemic uh, in that we couldn't gather in large groups uh, for a while uh, and we couldn't gather in places. And so um, 
the original thought for uh, Balance Heart and Mind Journey was that we would have just a handful of people come through and talk about real things and get to the root of it. And that's kind of what happened during pandemic in that we started going to different uh, parts of the country, but also uh, meeting in smaller groups. If you had a few friends who wanted to go through Journey, uh, we would just gather in their living room and do that over a few days. So an intensive is two days. It's two intense full days of going through um, nine sessions. Um, but in those nine sessions, we uh, basically go through the 12 weeks uh, in that time. <laughs> Obviously not as in-depth, uh, but we then also look at your story particularly with an experienced facilitator. So a pastoral facilitator uh, who can walk through that, who's who's gifted at that. Our 12-week program, you're walking through with a facilitator who we've trained, uh, but who is not the expert. So you're not going there and sitting there with a therapist. They are your guides, uh, is what we say. They have walked this path. They have done journey. They believe in it. Uh, They have studied and prepared for it to guide you through understanding the material. Uh, So that's basically what the two... Differences. Differences are. So in a church setting, like um, we have a partner church in Toronto, they're they're an affiliate. And so you're training the facilitators. They'll do like what you said. But this, sir, will, this will serve in Toronto since we get to be more in charge of this decision. So I know what we've done with it for Life Church. It serves as the best life group, small group you could get in, the most effective anyway. It serves as our pre-marriage counseling, our crisis marriage counseling, mm-hmm. our grief counseling, our... <laughs> Parenting. Parenting. (laughs) So basically you come to us and you're like, hey, I have this thing. And we're like, journey. (laughs) Everything Um, is journey. (laughs) Hey, I just lost my dad. Journey. Have you been through journey to wholeness? That's the the lead question to everyone here. Anyone who comes with an issue. Yeah. Even Mm -hmm. before we're going to sit down and have an hour long coffee with you about it. Have you been through journey? Because when we speak the same language- Like the the lead team for the Exchange Collaborative came, did Journey. We split them into two and they did Journey. And I'm hearing from them, oh my gosh, I ha- last night my husband and I were talking and we were journeying because mm-hmm. it becomes a verb. <laughs> and they're doing what you did with them. This is why you, they don't become dependent upon you because if you can get to the root of that first memory or the real old memories. What happens is they're now looking at their relationship with their in-laws through the lens of, oh, this is different than how I've just been struggling with my in-laws. I think this might be a journey thing, like a deeper issue. And they're processing it together rather than we've got to fight against our in-laws forever. They're seeing it through different lenses, which is the tools that then help them get through new traumas and new situations. I want I want you, Sean, to talk about how the intensive, which Becky has gone all over the country to do intensives, but how does the intensive work now that we have the retreat center in North Carolina? Yeah, we can still come to you. We're totally open to that. Uh, in fact, I just I just spoke to um, another retired athlete who's having a hard time. Hmm. Retirement's hard for those guys. Mm-hmm. Change is hard, especially when you go from such adoration from people to silence. And so so this particular individual is having a hard time in a in a bunch of different areas. And so they live in a different part of the country. So I gave them the option. I said, "Well, I think you should go through journey to wholeness. I think it'll help you. I think it'll help your marriage. I think it'll help you as a father. And you can either have us come to you in your state or we have a retreat center that we're building out right now in North Carolina. And North Carolina is just a few states away from them. So they could do that. For some people, that's far, right? So the principle of the retreat center is that it could be all-inclusive. You could just fly in, get you an Uber, get to the retreat center, and we have the food, we have a team of people who will take care of every need that you have. So all you have to do is focus on your recovery and your healing. And so it's, we did something like this. We took a sabbatical a long time ago, like 15 years ago. And, and we went to a couple of different retreat places. And the, the difference between what we did and what you would do if you came to the retreat center is that we didn't go to the root of it. Mm -mm. We just talked about what had happened and what was happening. So 
this idea that you talked about, Becky, where uh, you and Ruben, you couldn't identify weeds and you, you had mm. to go. Uh, you could have cut those things out, pulled those things out, and every year they're going to come back. But you determined you needed somebody to come, whether that's somebody that you watched on a master class who's a gardener, or you had somebody come over to your house and there was two options. You could have that person do all the work, but then the next time that you have weeds and stuff, they're going to need to come back. Or you could have that person walk you through and teach you, which is more work up front. It's Mm -hmm. inconvenient up Mm -hmm. front. You go, gosh, just go out in the back and I'm going to pay you anyway. Just do the work for me. It's a lot of humility to say, I don't know what the heck's happening here. Can you show me? Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you just say to that person, hey, like we do that with you all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Pastor Johnny and I call you all the time. Hey, we're feeling this. What does that mean? Right there. We, so we do have the maintenance side of things. But what an intensive does is it shows you not only what the root was, but how you found that root mm-hmm. so that as triggers come up throughout time, you can recognize what's a trigger and what's a root. So now you have the tools post-intensive, which is, you know, two days. Some people have have done it in three. Some people want to do it in three. It's a lot. It really is. I mean, if we're being completely honest, it's exhausting. And it's exhausting for the facilitator as well as the person going through it. But it's exhausting in a way. I'm a big UFC fan. There's a big fight last night as the crow flies. And they do a preview to every fight, right? And And this guy, they showed him working out for the fight. And he's like known for being really, really intense and really fit. And the thing that he said is that he learned to love the pain. Mm. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want that to come across like you, you should continue to carry your wounds. What He doesn't like the pain of an injury. Mm-hmm. He had to recover from an ACL. And that's where he learned the difference between the pain of an injury and the pain of improvement. Mm-hmm. And so he loves the pain of improvement that comes from working out. And so for me, like when I look at journey, I go, I'm going to feel pain one way or the other. Mm -hmm. I'm either going to feel pain from injury or I'm going to feel pain from improvement. So Mm -hmm. I want to feel the pain that comes from having to work these things, like where scripture says to work out your own salvation. Like I want to feel what, what does that feel like? Well, I wouldn't have that if I didn't have the tools that came from the intensive. And so you can have us come to you. You can come to Green Bay mm-hmm. and do an intensive. But I just, I feel like that the retreat center is going to create a totally different dynamic. Yeah, because in Green Bay, you do need to be in a hotel. There's probably a rental car involved. Yeah. There's more expenses um, outside of the fee. But also you're fighting with Nav and fighting with your spouse. You're, we didn't, you know, if we had times people were coming in late and you've got that weird like, I'm late. I'm sorry. It was my fault. Just, but I brought donuts. Yeah, like, it's like don't stop. So, like all of the things that life can that happens, you're like come out of your bedroom into this room and let's do journey today. And there is no distractions or complications. Right. Plus, there's the dynamic. The one thing that's beautiful about doing an intensive with other people is that you see these relationships that are born and bonded in that. Like I think about our lead teams. Like by the end of the mm. intensive. They knew each other's story. They were feeling it. They were, but, but at, even when they came here, like you said, Pastor Sonny, like they went back to their hotel rooms and with their spouse, a couple of guys didn't have their spouse or gals, but the people who had their spouse, you go back and you do process it. I remember when we did it. Mm-hmm. I remember when we went through life skills was what it was called when we went through it. Um, and, and us going to Fazoli's and couldn't eat our food. We couldn't even have a conversation. It was just like we just sat there and looked at each other like our brains were mush. But the thing that I really like about the idea of the retreat center is so you go through and you have this uh, forging together during the sessions, but then you're not leaving out and going back to your own hotel room. Mm -hmm. Now you can, and there's tons of private space. There's 20 acres. So there's tons of spaces to get away. But at the same time, it's this beautiful dynamic. My friend who went through this inpatient counseling therapy, the one thing that they talk about is the people that were there with them, that that they were bearing each other's burdens during the sessions. But then at night they were hanging out, they went on hikes together. So there's this building of a community, which is what a lot of people lack. 
And a lot of people reject that. I mean, you get that all the time. Can I just do journey just with you? I don't mm-hmm. really want other people. <laughs> but you lose the dynamic. Like when I was mm-hmm. just sharing my story earlier about the world is unsafe. Not every listener, but I'm sure some listeners were like, ding, ding, ding. And they start thinking about their mom or they start thinking about when they were four. As other people talk, it gives your brain space to have your own memories. So Because when our mouth is open, we can't think as much. But when it's closed and waiting, our brain is putting the pieces together. So the dynamic of group, I, I think you would have a way less effective time if it was just one-on-one or a, a couple and versus a couple with a couple who could really help each other out. Yeah, I'm always amazed by the way God intersects individuals, people who you wouldn't have. Mm. If I put all the information on a paper and said, you know, this is how they'll match up. Often I've seen people just age demographics and socioeconomic backgrounds and and what they do in life, um, where they were born. Uh, I had one in particular, and they're all this way, but one in particular that I I had a group of women that I was like, oh my, I don't know if they're going to understand each other or get along. Are they going to be able to relate to each other? And God just weaved that through so beautifully. But I think it it stems back to, and and really maybe the inspiration for this really was uh, the the series that we did here at Life Church, which was What's Your Story? Uh, and when we hear each other's stories, you know, Pastor, you say, and I use it all the time, our stories are all different, but they're all the same. Why? Because we're all made in his image, right? And we're made from the same creator. And so there's there's things in each other's stories that we hear. And it's just like when you watch a movie or you read a good book and you get some insight. And because it's not in your story and there's not um, anything attached to that, there's no weight to that. There's no burden or responsibility or, but you don't know this, or this is how I've coped and you have allegiances to that, that you can hear it from somewhere else and get a perspective. And then you realize, oh my goodness, mm. that's me. It's that sense we have on a Sunday morning where we're hearing a sermon and we're like, you're reading my mail. Mm -hmm. What is going on here? Uh, It's the same sense that you get in a group atmosphere. And to the point of going away, we did do during pandemic a few retreats. Uh, Well, they were intensive, but it was retreat style in which we went away. Mm -hmm. And those were the most effective in that uh, you were there, you were present. There weren't distractions. You didn't get stuck in and trying to drop off your kids or get everyone where they needed to be. Uh, And then because you are, you have so much happening inside of you, uh, what I will say to every uh, retreatant uh, is be kind to yourself and allow the work that has started to finish its work in you. And to do that, there have to be quiet spaces, but also there have to be spaces in which you can sit with others and and keep like chewing on that and muttering on, you know, when this happened, tell me more about that. And just the encouragement that I see between the participants, but also the revelations and insight they get from each other's stories that they wouldn't have thought of until they heard it in that light is is part of the work. And so, yes, while uh, some people want to do it on their own uh, because they're used to more of a therapy environment and they just want to focus on their story, I find, and that's effective as well, I find that in the group atmosphere that people get so much more out of that and you get people to walk along the journey with you. And mm-hmm. we're made for a relationship. We're not made to be alone. And to just have those people, even if it's for that space, to walk the journey with, it, it just emboldens you. It, it makes you more courageous, um, but it also is more encouraging for you to continue the journey after you've gone. And our groups, to be clear, the groups are small to start with, even 12 weeks. Those are what size? So 12 week groups, we limit those to eight so that we have enough time Mm -hmm. to talk with everyone. Sorry. Oh, I think we got up to about a dozen and that was much too much, especially for just one facilitator, because we really want you to have the time to talk and interact with the people there and get to know each other. Um, Our intensives, uh, we do up to five, four is ideal, five we can stretch in there. Um, And I would say one is, you know, okay, but not enough. Uh, And then couples, couples like to come in uh, and follow up. Uh, We don't have couple um, journey groups. We do those male or female. Those make more sense. You have to work on your story uh, so that you can have the capacity and communication skills to talk about the things you need to talk about. Uh, But then I have had people do couple intensives to follow up on that 12 week to now address some of the things that uh, now that we understand ourselves better, now we want to understand Mm -hmm. each other better. Yeah, because we believe, Sean and I now, we're like, you don't, well, we've said this ever since we discovered it 13 years ago. We didn't have a marriage problem. Sean had a Sean problem. Sonny had a Sonny problem. And since then, we've, we've never even talked about needing or wanting um, 
marriage counseling and like we almost divorced and we since journey have never thought we actually have a marriage problem. We understand that. And uh, so I want to, I want to clarify the retreat center. You will do couples, a couple where you would go to them or they, a couple could come to the retreat center or a couple could come to Green Bay. Yes, you will do that. We also recommend and suggest the, on an intensive or around four people is ideal. Uh, the 12 week, you'd have to be at an affiliate site, which Toronto, North Carolina, Green Bay, and more to come. Uh, that will be church affiliates. And yeah, we'll have groups in Seattle actually oh, in the winter as well. So, so. amazing. Mm-hmm. So there was seed put in that ground. Mm-hmm. And then you do offer online if someone goes to J2, j2wholeness.org, you do have online options. You People can read about it. Right. Uh, they're going to say, well, I want to do a 12-week, but I don't live there mm-hmm. and I don't live in that region. They can reach out to you about becoming an affiliate, even though they're not, the expert or they don't might not even want to facilitate. They just are like, mm-hmm. how do we get that in our area? Right. And you can walk them through that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So there is an affiliate option as well. And it walks you through what that would look like. Um, and like you said, we have an online version. I just want to clarify the online version is an independent. It's not facilitator led. We have that on there, but we really would like to pull it down because <laughs> really the value of going through a journey to wholeness um, experience is the work that you do with someone who is your guide, someone who has walked the path and can walk you through these first steps uh, as you start your journey. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, you actually, Pastor, you did a online or you took a workbook and did it on your own, not be not um, yeah. Since it cre- journey. It cre- it cre- before journey, I did a different program. It was self led, mm-hmm. and it 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 caused more right. damage than it was good because I didn't have a way to process. Right, I did pull things up. Yeah, I just didn't have a way to process. Them. Absolutely. So what I have experienced actually is uh, I've had individuals do the online version in Iowa and different states. And then they give me a call and they say, I'm going to be up in Green Bay or I'm coming up to Green Bay. If I did, would you meet with me? (laughs) And I'm like, yes, I'm happy uh, to wrap up some of those concepts and answer some questions for you. Uh, So if you're someone who you're listening, you're like, I did the online and I should have done it in person. Just reach out to me. I'm happy to help you um, kind of put some sense or some markers on uh, what you discovered and learned. And by demand, you now do one-on-one coaching. Obviously, when when you talked about $14,000 for 14 days at the inpatient and for sure this person after doing journey we saw quite a quite a step forward a leap forward i'm grateful we don't have to when we don't charge 14,000 for 14 days right. or uh, so, you know, this isn't free because we're a nonprofit. You're a nonprofit. We're all nonprofits and we're all just trying to make this available right. and happen. So the fees that we charge are also just basically the bare minimum to do the things that we need to do and be able to stay afloat and not, you know, run out. So, yeah, sometimes I think the term nonprofit can be misleading. We're really a not for profit. <laughs> It sounds like the same thing, right? But a nonprofit almost feels like, well, I don't have to give them anything. But you're saying we're a not-for-profit organization. We're not trying to make a profit off of you. But we are trying to survive. Yeah. We do have bills. I mean, right. the, the the reserve cost money, mm-hmm. you know, it's a massive payment mm-hmm. for us every month. If for the first year, it's a $54,000 a month payment that we're going to have to make on that. So as much as we would love to let people do things for free, we can't let people do things for free. Plus, you mm-hmm. kind of get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. The amount of the amount of investment that somebody puts into something is about the amount of effort that they're going to put into it. And so we want people to, there's a fine line between that. And so I guess to the point of, you know, really what this podcast even is, I mean, it's kind of a departure from what the rise up to the fall normally would be like. But the reason that we're even doing this is because this is a preventative measure. Like mm. I said earlier, you don't always have to be a rescue boat. Sometimes you can be a beacon. Like I want to be a beacon for people too. There's people who are listening to this who are struggling, who have an addiction, who have a temptation, and they've been giving into it, but they don't want to let people know that they're giving into it. And they don't want that to overtake them. Well, this is a program that you, let's just say 
for the person who doesn't have 12 weeks to do this. It's a pastor, it's a leader, it's a CEO, whatever it may be. They can spend a few days and come to one of a few different places and we will put you through the intensive. And it's not easy. It is painful, but it's worth it because at the end of the day, once we've uncovered those things and we found the first domino and we pushed that thing down, suddenly you've got the tools to be able to get to the root of all of the weeds in your life so that you don't have to continually lean on us. And then once you see that, our healing is the thing that made this our passion, right? So had we never been through this, we wouldn't be passionate about this, but we've been through this program and it worked for us. And I wouldn't say that I don't have problems now, but I don't have problems like I used to have problems. I can tell you that right mm-hmm. now. My prayer journal looks a whole lot different post-journey to wholeness than it looked pre-journey to wholeness. There are so many regrets that I had in my life that I don't have to have in my life anymore. Things that I felt like I was on the run from that I'm not on the run from anymore. And so life is exhausting when you're constantly on the run from your past. And at some point, you got to turn around, you got to face it. You got to say, you know what, man, I ain't running from you anymore. You're either going to kill me or I'm going to kill you. And so Journey to Wholeness gives us the tools and the ability to turn around and kill those things that have been hunting us down. So there are people who are listening to this, who are pastors, who are leaders, who are influencers, who need to turn around Find the thing that caused this, whether it was at seven years old or four years old or whatever it may be, unlock that so that God can renew your mind so that you can forge forward, change your marriage, change your ministry, change, I mean, your entire outlook on life. And so please reach out to us. We would love it if you are in the middle of a fall, we want to help you. If If you've had a fall, we want to help you. If you're in danger of a fall, we want to help you. And the beauty is Journey and Wholeness can do all those things. And if you're breathing, we want to help you. We always say that. If you're alive, you need healing. And if you've not had that. And so you can go to theexchangecollaborative.com. From there, you can find Journey to Wholeness right on that website. But I would suggest if you're a pastor or leader, entrepreneur, that that level that maybe an intensive is better for you. If you're a pastor or leader, go to theexchangecollaborative.com. You'll see all of the info and then it'll go to journey. If you're someone that you're like, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a leader, but I'm super interested in journey, go right to j2wholeness.org. Yes. And so Pastor Becky, we love you. We're so grateful. You've been such a great addition to our life. Mm-hmm. You... Uh, enrich us, you enrich our church, and uh, we're grateful to be arm-in-arm in ministry with you. And so if you're listening to this and you need help, listen to Pastor Sonny, reach out, do what you need to do. Let's get you healed. Let's get you to wholeness because there is a rise after the fall. Hi, friends. It's Sunny again. And I just want to say, Sean and I appreciate your faithful listening. And we hear all the time that many of you are sharing this. In fact, we've had a few people say, I tell everybody I know, specifically other pastors and leaders about this podcast. And so we may have shared in our early season two episode about the story of getting a retreat center that we're now going to call the reserve, Uh, 20 acres, multiple houses, and the ability to house pastors and leaders, their families. We're going to basically say we're hosting the hurting. We're hosting the betrayed. We're restoring the betrayer. Uh, And so now we have a campus to do that on a, a 20 acre property to do that on as well as we'll continue to bring people into Green Bay and we provide um, help in the finances for that and the housing for that at times as needed. Also, we'll continue to go to people. We've done that over the last couple of years, flown directly to couples in crisis. That's been an ongoing thing that Sean and I, Pastor Becky, Pastor Barry have done. But what I wanted to ask you is that um, because this retreat center is $1.8 million, which actually for 20 acres, a massive house, other housing, uh, it's really reasonable. We just happened to find it in 
a great location and the person who's selling it to us has a ministry heart. He's on the board of the church that we interned at coming right out of Bible college. It's just crazy, the God story. But we need to get $600,000 as the down payment. Now he's going to spread that over the first year. So it's 54,000 a month. Then after that, the 1.2 million that we will finance with him, those payments will start and that's in the 70 some hundred dollars. So $7,000 a month plus utilities and expenses, but that's much more palpable than 54,000 a month. But for this first year, we're grateful that we didn't have to come up with 600,000 to even begin work on the property. We already own it. We're already doing construction. But what I would ask you is if you would consider, and you may say, it's me. I have, you know, $100,000 put away for our church that we are going to start construction on something. Or you may say, I have $1.8 million at the church I lead and we were breaking ground. But I feel, <laughs> this is the crazy thing. I've heard some crazy stories about pastors who after having the money or praying for the money and they get it for something God's having them do, God told them to give it away. But then God exceeded their expectation and they came back and had eightfold, ninefold. I know of a church in Texas, this just happened. Uh, They gave a million dollars they had raised to break ground on a new property. And someone had had been at this conference with them and they had a roof that had caved in and it was a million dollars to repair it. And God told him, give the million dollars. Well, he did. And within a few weeks, they had a company come to them and offer them money for the land and to give them land they owned. And they basically were given about $8 million from their million dollars they gave away. So I just know that when Sean and I even have given $1,200, which was our first big gift when we were first married at a conference and God told us give everything. And we had $1,201 in our bank account, which was a ton for us. It was like our savings. We gave it, we got home and we had a check in our mailbox for $1,250. Now we made $49 on that, but it increased our faith. We made a lot of return on our faith and that investment and knowing God will never ask us to give that he doesn't have a huge plan. So I take this time to say, you might be the one that says, we're going to give you 1.8. You'll never have to worry about money as you do this ministry. You might say, we're going to give you 600,000 for the down payment so that you don't have to stress for the first year at 54,000 a pop as you build it out. Or you might say, we're going to give monthly or we have something else in mind. Thank you for considering it. Thank you for stepping out in faith and thank you for being a faithful listener to this. We appreciate you.